Awe, 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 dear brothers. Hello there, listener. Welcome back to the Forest Brothers Podcast. As you already know, the best podcast in the whole wide world. It's your boy, Mutsa Kristar Makufa, back in the cut. What is good, listeners? What is good? I am joined by my two brothers, Ngome Zulu and Samson Penguini, the chemist. What up, gentlemen? What is up? I'll start with my boy, Sangi, and then over to the boy, Mangoro, to say your salutations to our wonderful, wonderful listeners out there. So over to you, Samson. Dear listener, welcome to the Forest Brothers podcast. I am happy to be here once again with my two brothers. Hello, Mwari. Hello, Mangoro. And uh, once again, looking forward to bringing you all the content that you all love so much. Today's a, today's a, today's a special day, dear listener. Today's a special day because we saw, we saw an amazing game. We've seen an amazing tournament. And today, the brothers are going to discuss it all going to talk about it all and i i am i'm so ready for this one gents i am so ready please uh let's let's get into it oh lovely listener uh we're back forest brothers podcast has returned new week new possibilities uh new world cup winner uh we're back with the bang i'd like to greet you lovely listener out there um thanks for tuning in uh hopefully you can help help spread the word that there's a thing called the first brothers podcast uh, week in and week out. Uh, I'd also like to greet my fellow uh, podcasters here, uh, my friends here, my guests, uh, Mr. Mori and Mr. Masanga. And we're back. So let's get the show on the road. Get the show on the road, indeed. We shall, Mr. Mangoro. Uh, listener, as you may or may not know, today, as Simpson was also alluding to, today was the final day of the World Cup. The final was played today. Argentina versus France. 13 players versus 12. Actually, 12 versus 11, as some may say today. <laughs> a bit controversial on my part, but anyways, uh, Argentina will play with an extra player today. But that's my own hypothesis, which we shall get into. But anyways, um, in case you did not know, Argentina won the game through penalties today. Um, Messi lifted the World Cup, first time in his career. Something he's been meaning to achieve. Apparently, he has now completely won anything and everything that a football player is supposed to win on the planet. Given, like, you know, what he's, you know, he won at Barcelona, he won at PSG, he's won at... Actually, I don't know if he's won at PSG. Anyway, point being, Messi has won everything that he can possibly win in, like, the highest accolades. And congratulations to you, Messi. Congratulations to Argentina. Uh, Nana is very happy about this. I, I just have to say it. The boy... This is what he. This is all he wanted to do. A little ironic that he could not make it today, but I just wanted to put it out there that the boy Nana is very jubilant in the results that we saw today. So, congrats! Uh, I'm gonna try to sound a little less salty about that, uh, listeners. You know, I was not w- hoping that Argentina would win today. I was hoping they would crash and burn as they deserve, but alas, my prayers were not strong enough. I probably need to go back to church. I think my prayers have been a little weak lately. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, a day of a day for me to really think about life. But um gentlemen, what a final. What a final, you know? Explosive, everything you'd want a final to do. Even people who do not watch soccer today when they're watching, they're like, "Wow, man, this thing's actually lit." You know? 
my mom was calling me at every every goal. She's like, "Bro, what am I watching right now? This is this is crazy. This is madness." <laughs> but um, yeah, I was I was not sure what to expect from this game because, as you may know, listener, we heard reports that some French players there was a virus going on in the camp. We did not know what was gonna come out today, but everyone came out a bit lackluster from France in the very beginning. I don't know if that's whether due to the virus they might have been suffering from or if it was a tactical error from Deschamps himself but yeah it took a while for France to get into the game it took a little bit but you know and then Argentina of course scored a penalty for the first goal and then and then they scored a good team goal for the second one and yeah and then France Mbappe scored a penalty and then he scored another goal 2-2 Messi scored the third goal, Mbappe scores another penalty, 3-3, and then penalties. But anyway, gentlemen, what are your reactions from this game? Let's uh let's talk about the penalty, first of all. The first penalty. Di Maria gets knocked down in the box, allegedly, by who was who was there in the in the, in the it was Dembele. He yeah, he 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 miced Dembele in the corner, skilled him a little bit. Dembele apparently touches him. Di Maria felt the touch. Fell to the ground. Referee, no hesitation. It's a penalty. No VAR check. No nothing. Life continues. Mr. Messi or Pessi, as I affectionately call him, scores another, scores a penalty. And uh, yeah, life moves on. But let's talk about this penalty shot, gentlemen. Nkosi, before we came on, you were saying that to you, this was indeed a penalty. And through my objections... Maybe you saw something that I did not, but that penalty, in my opinion, was very soft and it fits into the messy agenda that we've seen throughout this World Cup where Argentina has received a penalty almost every game they've played, which is a little suspicious. But let me hear from you, Nkosi. What are your thoughts around this penalty? You know, as I was watching like the different replays of what happened, but before let me, before jumping into that, um, I'd like to give a shout out to my boy uh, as Mr. Mori mentioned there, Mr. Nana uh, Asante. Uh, uh, I don't want to butcher his last name, but follow him there. He'll find him. Nana from Ghana. He did call that Argentina would win the World Cup when he came onto this plat- this very platform. So shout out to him. I think he's probably in Buenos Aires currently celebrating. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a holiday for the next week or so in Buenos Aires. Uh, we saw the crowds there congregating like that monument uh that was built in in the capital so i'm pretty sure he's hanging out with those fellows there but just going back to the penalty real quick i'd say in a situation like that when when there's a tangle of legs and the penalty box the referee has to make a decision and for me personally when i looked at it like there was a tangle of legs there whether you whether you put a leg there or your leg is close to him and he trips over, it's going to be a penalty because you have fouled him. So that's where I saw it. And this whole notion of like people saying it's a soft penalty. What is a soft penalty? A penalty is a penalty. Is there a hard penalty? Is there like a stonehold penalty? Like, ah, stonehold this one. Then they were like, now are we gauging what a penalty is? There's a soft one and there's a hard one? Or is, like a, is there a medium in between? So... For me personally, that one was a penalty, uh, hands down. Like the boy Dembele was, was beat, and it just goes to show that attackers really shouldn't be in the box defending. And as you saw, what transpired. Well, in that soft penalty thing that you're talking about, Mangoro, literally, we saw so many other games where a player is brought down 
And no, like, okay, for example, in the game yesterday between Morocco and Croatia, that guy with the mask, abject penalty, brought down in the box by a Moroccan player. It was not given. Everyone said, everyone was screaming. This is as obvious of a penalty shot as it can be. Now you tell me, Mangoro, from where you're sitting today, you saw that thing. Was that or was that not a penalty in your eyes? And comparing that incident and the incident today, is there consistency in what you saw in those op- in those two instances? I want to hear from you what you think about that. Uh, l- l- let's not confuse the listener. There. I think we should put a put a name to the mask man. His name is Josko Kovadiol, uh, current RB Leipzig player, uh, soon to be. Uh, I will not say what club we'll be moving to, but. Uh, ta- talented individual, that one. So just, just, just put it out there. Um, in looking at the two incidents, it's it's really difficult to tell, like because there's a lot of like grappling that happens in the 18 area, like, and it's really difficult to tell from like yesterday's incident with Morocco and Croatia. So I wouldn't say that uh, that one was as clear cut because the ref is looking at so many different things. I do agree with you that like from like uh post the game looking back at that incident people would have called it but since like there's a lot of ha- there's a lot happening like in the box and all around that time but today you saw at the biggest stage two individuals like they were so isolated Jules Kunde, I don't know where he was like but you saw today like it was just the two of them and they just tangled legs and once you start doing those things in the kitchen there's only one thing you're going to get burnt and Dembele got burnt at that point you see, but this is, I feel like, where Vieira should jump in. So, Sam- so, Samson, like, if the referee is not sure, or if this situation, given the magnitude of the game we had today, this is a final. You can't just give foo-foo decisions away. You can't just, like, make mistakes, especially when it comes to game-changing situations like a penalty. Like, we all know that whoever scores the first goal has the biggest advantage because you can either now park the bus The other team is now under pressure because now they really have to score or they lose. So it puts you in a better position if you you get the first goal, psychologically speaking, and numerically speaking too, because you are above, right? So in a situation where like, it looks soft and it's very, it's not clear, clear cut. Why not, why not the ref say, yo, let's have a VAR check. Why did that not happen? Why has a VAR check not happened for any Argentina penalties? For other penalties, we see like 10 minutes go by and they're just looking at this thing, at this incident. Even yesterday with the Morocco-Croatia game, there was a VAR check, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. But anyway, we didn't see anything today. So, Samson, over in, what do you think goes behind that? Or like, where was VAR today in a situation like this? Like, what's your opinion? Was VAR supposed to get involved or not? I think they were absolutely supposed to get involved because that is the moment when VAR is supposed to step in. Um, so I, I think it was a soft pen. And I think in my definition, a soft pen is a soft pen shouldn't be a pen. A soft pen is a kind of pen where like, if that file literally happens anywhere else, the referee ignores it, tells the player to get up and get on with it. And that was one such situation, because if you look at it, like, I think Dembele, you, you know, you can tell he's a midfielder and not a defender and, you know, he doesn't do much defending because he puts his foot there, which, you know, you don't do when someone's in the box and you're chasing him from behind. And what Di Maria does that, that is smart is that he just, he dangles his leg. Like, he leaves his left leg trailing. Like, if, if you see, like, that, like, he's not 
he's looking forward and he Demurray doesn't think he's gonna go anywhere. So he dangles the leg, his left leg, a little longer in the back. And that's when the contact happens. So as soon as he feels it, it goes down. So the ref, when he sees someone go down and he gives a pen, I don't have a problem with that because that is kind of what you do. And that's like ever since VAR has been introduced, that has kind of been the mandate. You know, refs have been told if you think you should, you know, if you think that you should make a decision, make it because at least VAR is there to clean up your mistakes if you're egregiously wrong. The issue is that was clearly not a like you. If you look at the replay, you can say, okay, given what has been given, you know, in recent games, given what has been allowed to happen, you know, the, like the physicality of things. And given the decisions he makes later in the match, you can look at that and say he shouldn't have, you know, that sh- that shouldn't be a pen. But that's where VAR is supposed to come in because VAR is supposed to clean up after refs and make sure there's some level of consistency. So I blame VAR for that. But overall, I don't think this ref had a great game. I think he lost control of it towards the end. And I think he was saved by the fact that both teams put on a very good show. And so we weren't focusing too much on the ref and the mistakes he made. But I think if we got, if the game got a bit uglier, you know, a bit more out of hand like it did against, you know, with the Netherlands-Argentina game, we'd be talking a lot more about him. But, you know, Mbappe gave us a great game. Messi gave us a great game. So we, the world has focused on those great performances instead. But let me ask something real quick to you since... Well, on this ref and VAR. Isn't the situation for all our listeners out there around like this introduction of VAR, is, doesn't it have to be an, a clear and obvious error for it to be looked at? Whereas this one, some people give it, some people don't, and falls into like that 50-50 category, and then VAR can't jump into that situation. Okay, but I, I get what you're saying there, but... I think maybe the answer to that is that we have to examine what, like you are saying before, we have to examine what's a penalty and what isn't because there are certain things, certain types of contact that, I mean, I've seen people go down, Argentinian players go down in previous games with this, with similar contact that happened to Di Maria and the ref has told them, get up. I've seen other games, not just the Argentinian players, I'm, I'm not like picking on them, but I've seen other games, this, this tournament, and in the Premier League and, you know, Champions League, where players have gone down for something soft like that and they've been told to get up. My thing is, if what is given is commonly not given, I think VR has a right to step in and say, okay, I think there's an error there. And I think you're right, because there is a gray area here, because, like you said, some refs would give it, some won't. And I think that's where the gray area exists. But I think in that sort of situation, you should be going with maybe like what the majority would do or like what the general vibe or the general consensus of that kind of decision has been in the past and go from there. Because, I mean, I don't know if sure about you guys, but I was very disappointed to see that given as a pen, just given how the game was going and the flow and everything like that. I thought, given what has been allowed, especially this World Cup this season in terms of like physicality and what was being allowed later in the game, like that... Like, I, I don't know how you give that and you don't give France at least two penalties, at least or at least one more penalty in the game. Because I think the 
France definitely had a case to get more pens um, based on what Argentina was given in that first half. Yeah, because we have to talk about this as well, like Magoro. Like for me, it seems it's a clear and obvious error. If not, a, I think VR also has to clean up situations where it's a little messy or situations where it's a little like not too clear. And to me, this was not a clear penalty challenge, right? We didn't see Dembele like stick his foot out and like try drop Di Maria. It just happened that Di Maria's foot, or I don't know if there was a slight push. I couldn't even really tell what exactly what the foul was there, but it was something. And then we see a situation where later on in the game. Um, I'm not sure what his name was, but he goes down in the box. He's taken down. You know, it was a slight dive, of course, but Di Maria also dived, in my opinion. But the referee goes straight into that play and be like, my guy, get up, yellow card, diving. There was contact. You saw contact. We can all agree there was contact, right, Mongoro? On that penalty shot where he didn't give it. That was contact. And if the ref is giving a penalty for Di Maria's challenge, he should be giving a penalty for that second challenge where France should have had another one and could have actually won the game if it was 3-2. I don't see Argentina like scoring back, right? If France were going 3-2, it's most likely they're going to go up 4-2, if anything. But he didn't give it. So, Mangoro, please describe the differences between these two challenges because they look the same to me. And the ref gave one a yellow card for diving, and for the other one, he gave a penalty. So, what, what's your take on that, Mangoro? Okay, let's let's focus on two things here. For the first penalty, we saw a tangle of legs. And when there's a tangle of legs, the, they're going to give the penalty in the 18. If there's a tangle of legs, there's going to be... What Di Maria there was pretty smart, or like what he did was pretty smart, in that that little delay, actually, like it, caught, it sort of like made Dembele make a decision to tangle legs because he was running right behind him. So there was that aspect. It wasn't a push. It was just the tangle of legs part. For me, that is a penalty regardless, regardless of that. And with the other thing I want to mention real quick is body language. We saw two different types of body language. For that first penalty, we saw Dembele up with his hands, lift up his hands and say, I didn't touch him. And usually nine out of 10 times that person is usually guilty. So that does constitute a penalty. For the second one with Leo, Marcus Turam, Lillian Turam's son, that one was a clear dive. And why I say it's a clear dive? Because and it was a spot-on decision by the referee at that point to actually book him and to see it. Because what he does there, he initiates the contact. Because if you look at the Argentinian player's leg, it stays both feet as grounded on the ground. And he doesn't actually make a tackle or anything. So if you see uh, uh, Marcus's uh, leg, it goes into the Argentinian player to initiate the contact, and then he goes down so that he can essentially fool the referee. And the referee was spot on there, gave him the yellow card. That was the yellow card. Because it, it goes to show that... Why, then the question I would ask you is, why didn't he complain? Why didn't he get up to the ref and say, yo, pen, pen. He literally just stood up, walked away, took his yellow card. And if you feel aggrieved, you won't do that. That's not going to be the case. So as you saw there, how it panned out, like the player's reaction, sometimes we forget about that. It tells a lot. I mean, I don't know how I feel about, you know, players. So players have to always complain. Because also like talk about that thing, right? Where like players will be up in the ref saying, oh, it's a handball, it's a handball. And you can clearly see that the ball hit the ref's back. So what does this mean to players, like a professional players? I was saying that if any, if you see something or you think something, 
always complain because more times than not, it'll mean you will sway the ref's decision. Is that the message that is being sent here? Because if that's what you're saying, and this guy didn't complain, even though, yeah, I know what you're saying about the feet being planted to the ground by the Argentina player, right? But that player did make some attempt because, like, uh, Turan did have the ball to run with, and this guy did stick out a leg. It's just that, like, there was contact on the first time, and then Turan used the second leg to, like, kind of drag whatever. I mean, like I'm saying, it was a bit of a dive, but there was contact, the same amount as Di Maria felt for the first pen. That's what I. That's what I think. So I mean, I don't know, Samson. What do you think about this whole that second that second shout? Or was it a clear cut die for you? And um, that's how it should have been. Or do you also see what my point here? Yeah, Mutz, I do see your point because I think if you do give the Dimaria one, I think you know Amturam definitely has a, a case there because if you look at the Dimaria one, I just took a look at it again. The the tangle. Demare is in front of Dembele, so Demare is behind him, and I think that more than anything influenced like the decision, because whenever you there's contact and so one and the defender is behind the attacker, typically goes the attacker's way. But if you look at it, um, Dembele makes contact with Demare's left foot twice. The first time he does it, um, Demare is just running, um, and he's about to run into Kunde and and Griezmann. They're waiting for him in the box. Um, and he has nowhere to go because there's no one supporting him or whatever. The first contact he handles and he keeps going. It's just that as when he gets the first contact, though, he starts to go down. The second one, which I think is the one that actually gives the pen, doesn't really do anything. It catches him as he's going down. Like he's already halfway down when you know the second one hits. And I don't think the initial one was strong enough to bring him down because... It literally hit, like, Dembele caught him on the side of his left foot. Like, he had planted his foot down, and Dembele caught um, the right, like, the left side, and he was able to, like, actually lift it up again and go on for another stride. And he went down first with his right foot, which did not get any contact. So I think if you give the Di Maria one, Turam definitely has a, a, a case. Um, so... Yeah, in my opinion, both would have been soft pens, but if you talk about consistency, then yeah, I think uh, yeah, he didn't deserve that yellow. So you know, this 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 then takes us into a wider conversation, and I want to hear your boys' opinion on this. About we've been hearing people talking about the Argentina and Messi agenda. You know, Qatar has made it made it very very obvious in the very beginning that they would love to see Messi lift up the World Cup. At their at their at, at the final, that was what they wanted to do. That's what they wanted to see because it's like the goats they love Messi. P- Qatar have a big stake in PSG. They love the man. To, you know, it'll be it, it's an amazing football story, right? The best player in the world lifts up the World Cup, and as we've seen, Argentina are the only team that have had plus five penalties awarded to them per game, right? We've seen all the we've seen all the okay, not not each game but like per like every game they're playing and we've seen ta- we've seen how their players are so unprofessional right we've seen like how today we saw Fernandez like someone bumped him on the shoulder and he held his face he's like oh he poked me in the eye and the referee's like bro get up we saw Messi pull back a player after he taken the ball from him no card 
He did that another game. He did some. He, he had that obvious handball that we talked about in the quarterfinal, where he just like stopped the ball like he's playing netball. No card. They're like, yeah, walk away, Messi. It's fine. We've seen uh, who's this guy? Messi's bodyguard. That guy, like who? who uh, I can't remember his name, but he was just like anytime he felt something. Rodrigo de Paul. Who? Rodrigo de Paul. De Paul. Yes. Anytime you see de Paul, anytime you touched him on the floor crying. That's a big man. That's a DePaul is not small, guys. DePaul is massive. And he was acting like he's made out of glass today. And I was like, bro. So there's so many situations in this whole World Cup where I think when Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia, like they're like, okay, I think we have to help this team out. And they've done everything they can to make sure that Argentina make it past the finish line. You know, even the fact that France, French players are getting sick before the, the final. I have a feeling Qatar just made their rooms colder so that they catch colds, like so they catch a flu or something. Like, where did that virus come from? And why was it only in the French camp? Please make that make sense to me. So, I don't know, boys. I just think that there's some nefarious activity going on in the background and agenda to make sure that Messi was the one to lift up the World Cup. Because some of the decisions we saw from the officials... And I don't know, it just it, it just seemed very like, there were so many games where I was just like, man, is this what they're really trying to do right now? Like, come on, man. Like, let's just play the beautiful game. Why are y'all trying to doctor this stuff? Anyway, I don't want to sound like a hater. I am a hater, but I don't want to just, I don't want to say things just purely out of hate. So I want to hear you, what you guys think about this messy agenda that's been going on in this World Cup and whether I should just stop and it's baseless or there's some credibility to what I'm saying because we know FIFA are corrupt. That's obvious to everybody. If you've seen the documentary, you know what FIFA can do. <laughs> we know. They probably slip some envelopes at night for some of these referees to be like, yo, you know what to do today. You know? VAR, they're like, don't call for this. Everybody gets a check. 30K. Vibes. Keep it pushing. So I want to hear from you guys about this messy agenda and whether... You think it's true, whether you think there's some truth to it, or whether you're on my side and really say like, yep, there was a messy agenda and they got what they wanted. And this is the greatest manufactured tournament in history and Netflix needs to make a documentary about this. I want to hear you guys' thoughts about that. So I'll say this. Uh, There is like that narrative on like, this is Messi's last World Cup. And there is credibility to what you're saying there in terms of like this being like a whole orchestrated thing. It's, as you said, manufactured. And as you saw, this World Cup was manufactured in just getting it. Because if you watch the documentary, it'll show you. And there's also that aspect on like the stadiums and all that stuff was manufactured in a very short space of time. Hotels were built overnight. So there is that aspect on like it's part of the the whole narrative around this thing because keep in mind our friends over there at netflix um that documentary was four four or five episodes one season what do you think season two would be about when they want to drop season two wouldn't it just be this entire thing and now they have a whole series this is cash for for them this is cash for fifa it's just money everywhere so i do see that but then also like it also there also is some there also is that other thought on like they did win it because if you watch if you sat there and you watched the final 
from minute one to minute 79, 59. Argentina was playing alone there. France were just passengers. You saw in the 40th minute, they took off some very interesting individuals there and they put them outside, which goes to show how tactically, tactically wrong they were. But it just, it just tells you something that Argentina were there to play. And they des- I think personally, they, but today on the day, they deserve to win it because of what they did over the course of 120-something minutes that they played because they're actually quite ridiculous with that over time now at this point. So I do agree that there is that aspect, but there also is that chain of thought that says, actually, today, based on everything, previous matches, yeah, refereeing hasn't been of the highest order. I think they take it from a certain referee that I know. Uh, I think he's, he's starting to influence other referees because, as you mentioned, like, Grown men just diving all over the field. Tactical fouls. Like, that's the one thing I'd actually criticize the referee for today. Some of the fouls that, like, they were committing and people not getting booked, like, just stopping a counter and stuff like that. Like, the most blatant one. Well, actually, it was given as a yellow card, but some of them were at the same level. There was literally a point towards the end when uh, Coman almost ran away from Acuna. And Acuna just stuck out his leg and was like, you're not going anywhere. And I'll take that yellow card. And there were certain incidents that were similar to that. That one was given as a yellow card. There were certain incidents in the game around that same realm that were not booked. And I was very surprised by it. But going back to the Messi thing, it is part of the narrative. There's literally nothing we can do or say. But looking at two, or overall, like the World Cup as a whole, it was part of the whole Messi narrative. Uh, they would have wanted him against Ronaldo so that they can paint that whole picture. But the fact that it was France, it was still like a good narrative because they both play on the same team. Uh, Some players actually do across both teams play for the same teams in like different leagues around the world. So that kind of did contribute to like the narrative. But the overall World Cup as a whole, yes, it did contribute to the narrative. But the final itself, Argentina came to play today. Yeah, and Samson, also, please talk a little bit about, you saw when the ref gave a yellow card to Giroud, a player who was already subbed off. He was not even on the pitch. He complained, whatever. But what was the point of the ref? Leave, stopping the game. I think France was even about to attack. That's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your player is talking reckless on the sideline. Let me go give him a yellow card. Let's hold up. France had momentum. He stopped the game to go give Giroud a yellow card. For what reason? I do not know. It's a final. Giroud's not going to come in anymore. It literally does not matter. But he stopped the game just for that. So I just want to throw that out there as well and hear your thoughts, Samson, about the the wider message and what we've just been talking about, like just how blatant it was that Argentina had to win today no matter what. Well, okay. I'll start off by agreeing with Mangoro here because I do think Argentina played a great game. I think they surprised me because I, you know, Seeing them in recent, in past rounds, I thought, yes, they became more fluid as the tournament went on, but there was always, especially like in the beginning and quarters, round of 16, whenever they won, it felt so labored, man. Like it felt like they literally were squeezing every last bit of like effort that Messi had each game just to get like the bare minimum. Which, by the way, again, I must say, like, Messi's athleticism. I know people talk about Ronaldo being a great athlete, but, like, nah, he started, like, I think he started all games. Did not go off from the semifinal. 
played 120 minutes again today. That's insane, man. Like, at 37, like, no, man. Like, I mean, no, 34, 30, 35, 34, 35. Modric is 37. At 30, like, that is insane, man. That is that is insane, and I think we have to give props there. But, yeah, Argentina played a great game, and they were able to dominate in the first half, and the French had no idea how to stop it. Um, and I think the main way they were able to do this is that they, they were playing, they had like a high press going, but they also had like a mid block going. So whenever France was trying to play out from the back, they'd press them high, force them to switch play or go long with them to Giroud. And as soon as that long ball goes or the switch goes, everybody drops back. So it was very intensive, and it's, which is why you saw them, you know, like really tire out once it got to like the 70th minute. The guys were drained. Um, now, onto the controversy. Uh, yeah, I think you can really make the case that there was an agenda here because, I mean, Mongordi kind of talked about those tactical fouls, man. Like, and the, the tactical fouls stand out to me for two reasons. Number one, I've seen this before. This happened in the Netherlands game, okay? And I remember that Netherlands game because towards the end there, two Argentinian players could have been subbed off because they were booked and they did bookable things and they were not booked. Dutch players who were doing the exact same thing got booked every single time for the same sort of foul. That smells, okay? <laughs> like, there's something fishy there. Okay, so now coming to this game, you spoke about the Giroud situation. So Giroud gets booked because he complains about a decision. I think it was like a penalty shot. And he was complaining about it. it might have even been like um, Turam's one. Anyways, he complains about that. He gets booked. Literally a minute or a minute and a half later, France are on the counter. And I think it's on that same side, left-hand side, Acuna is the culprit again. Tactical foul. Takes out someone. Ref does not call it. Does, does not call anything. Like, I I was shook. <laughs> I was I was actually shook. Like, it's one thing to call the foul and not, and not book him. It's another thing to not call it at all. Like, like just straight up ignoring, like, nothing. Like, that was wild. And the fact that you book a player who's left, who's subbed out on the bench, you book him, and an actual foul on the field of play you ignore, that is a serious red flag. And I think adds a lot of credibility to the idea that, you know, this game was being rigged. And on top of that, those last few, um, yeah, when Acuna was actually booked, I have an issue with that too because yes, um, he did his job there. He booked him, but I would argue he only did that because France on the counter. Because again, if you look at it, he <laughs> he hesitated to call it. So I think it was it was Coman who who got who got fouled. He gets fouled. He he goes down, and he's waiting for the call. He waits for like a second, two seconds. He sees the calls not coming. Like the ref is not trying to stop anything. So he grabs the ball and he hits it forward. As soon as he does that, ref blows. You know, blows blows his whistle, whips out the yellow card. He wasn't planning on doing that. He was about to let it go. But he saw France had the advantage. Two players up, ball goes forward, he stops it. I think those are legitimate situations that you, you can look at in combination with the with the Netherlands game and say, okay, something fishy was going on here. 
to help Argentina. I think that's a valid argument. And I think it's the only stain on this win for Messi. The fact that so many decisions went Argentina's way when they clearly shouldn't have. Like, so many times, they clearly, you know, like like the Netherlands game was the most maddening because you had a brief, like, a five-minute period where no football was being played. Argentinian players were kicking people. And none of them were being sent off. You know, you had the guy who kicked the ball into the bench. He, he didn't get nothing. Like, that is fishy. You know, I, I can't defend that. And I'm not the biggest conspiracy theorist guy, but, like, I cannot defend that. I cannot find a way to justify those those decisions happening. So, yeah, definitely something something fishy there. Something smells there. And I wouldn't be, be surprised if this is, you know, season two on that Netflix documentary about FIFA. Yeah, honestly. Well, thank you, Samson. And of course, as well, I th- it's good that we can admit these things because, like, we have to talk about this stuff. And I don't know. Yeah, to me, it just messes when it's not correct. It's like, you know, when Max Verstappen won that title in Abu Dhabi, and we could all see that this is so wrong. This is so wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll stop you right there. No, don't, don't bring that one up. It's not, it's not at the same level. No. <laughs> it's the, for me it's the same it's the same because like we could, it was so wrong they all they just wanted this to happen to win that thing and there was no reason for those things to happen no that, that was way more blatant bro like he he stopped he literally told guys to stop and and it gave that man like a whole lap to just to just cook like nah nah like that the max was stopping on his next level bro like how that man is not even in jail or dealing with court cases about that i i, I have no idea he, he deserves jail for that. To me, it's all the same. To me, it's just on the same plate. That's it's just blatant. It's just like corruption at the highest level. But anyways, we've talked about that for a little bit. Let's let's also like take a little bit of time to give Mbappe his flowers as well. I think Mbappe had an excellent tournament. To me, Mbappe's probably been the best player in this whole tournament. Like, I don't actually know how, why. I mean, I know why they gave it to Messi because Argentina won at the end of the day. If France had won, they would have given it to Mbappe, that's for sure. But... Bappe had a powerful game and we saw him like being so sad afterwards. Apparently, like his goal is to win every World Cup he plays in. Like that was his like his he wants to win four of them. He wants to win four World Cups by the, like by the time he retires. So the fact that he, he lost this one frustrated him a lot. And I don't know why the French president was all up in his grill. Like, I don't know if he's trying to catch a picture with him every single moment he could. I don't know what he was whispering in his ear, but it clearly was not nice because Mbappe was not even smiling or looking him in the eye. It was probably like, bro, please, you smell like snail right now. Like, can you stop? Just stop. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to talk to you right now. (laughs) It was actually kind of sad. It was so creepy. I'm like, yo, Macron, what are you doing? Leave the man alone, bro. (laughs) This is not your moment. But Mbappe had an excellent game. He scored a worldie for the second goal. Like, that was absolutely outrageous for him to just take that volley, like, low volley first time. Like, that was, that's crazy. And I know there's a lot of chit-chatter about, you know, people always kind of doubt Mbappe because there's been so much hype around him. And a lot of people are like, yeah, is he even that good? You know, people just overhype him. We know we made that episode, maybe Mbappe, because he was crying at PSG. And like, you know, when PSG gave him all the power, it makes sense now. We can see this kid is only 23 and he almost won back-to-back World Cups. Play of the tournament, like, goals, like he was a golden boot winner and cool as, cool as you like. I think someone in the group chat was saying, like, Mbappe at this age 
is more mature than Messi and Ronaldo were when they were 23. Like he's doing so much more for his national side and even for PSG, I guess he's doing what he can. So yeah, I didn't, Mangoro, what did you take about take of Mbappe's performance this this uh, World Cup? And do you see him surpassing Messi and Ronaldo as one of the greatest ever players? Or like, what do you kind of see of his future given the performances that you saw this World Cup? Uh, the boy Kylian Mbappe is made of a different sauce. That man is unreal. And now I understand why PSG gave him all the power. That man literally, like, he did his part today. He was just disappointed by his other teammates that sort of didn't do their parts. Like, to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, how many people actually do that? You'd have to go back into history to find the last person that actually did that. To do it, and keep in mind, in a high-pressure game, the World Cup final, you're 23 years old. 23 years old. To score... Two penalties in that pressure moment and then score that other goal to actually bring back your country. In 10 minutes, he brought the, the entire country back into the game. I saw the boy Macron there taking off his jacket at that point. It was hot in that final. Just because of that young man. That young man. The, what he did at that point, kudos to that brother. And the, third, the, the, the other penalty. Extra time to actually get it to penalties. Didn't bluff, didn't go for Martinez's whatever things he, that he does. To actually do that, credit to him. To put it in the corner, same corner, not, not be faced. Get to the penalty shootout. Put up his hand. Be the first person to take the penalty. Uh, and actually get the tone, get, get the ball rolling for them. And put it in the same corner again and score. I, I think this man, I think he'll, he'll, he'll be the greatest, like... He, he, there's this other guy we heard we talk about quite a bit. His name is Erling. Apparently, he's quite lonely because Premier League is not, uh, has been away for a while. I think the next generation is those two. But this guy called Kylian is a, made of a different sauce. Like what he can do when he wants to, because he literally almost won it within like that extra time when he um, finished uh, that guy from Spurs called Romero, and he was in the box and he just. When Pascal, a couple of players, like that man really wanted this World Cup. And I do get his goal on like winning every World Cup that he's at because at 19, like he'd literally, he'd won it already. He won it at 19. It's his first one. And I can safely say that as we sit here now in 2022, the next couple of World Cups, he will certainly have a shot to actually win the World Cup because this French team is not going away anytime soon. It's going to be back and it's going to be back with the bang. And Mbappe will be winning another World Cup in this generation. I don't see another team stopping him. Yeah, I, I second everything my brother Mangor just said because, wow, this this guy's this guy's insane. I mean, before when we were previewing the tournament, I remember saying France are gonna use Mbappe the way Man City use Haaland. And there's a select few players in the world who a team can just decide we're gonna attack through him. And there's nothing you can do to stop him. There's nothing you can do to stop him. Like, we, you can try. Throw defenders through. We're going to attack through him. And we're going to get what we want through him. And he's he's like that. Because in that second half, I mean, you were seeing some of the stuff he was doing. Just cutting in from that left-hand side. 
And it's not just scoring that he's good at. I remember he, he had a few crosses in the box. One that actually met Amturam in the box and he could not control it and got it in. I think it was towards the end of the game. But he can score and create. You know, he's not a one-trick pony. He's not just, you know, if, if he's not in the box, he's useless. Like, no. This guy, like, he, he creates space. He creates opportunity. Even, like, the England game where he, you know, he didn't do much. Part of the reason why Lucas Hernandez gets free on that left wing to make the cross to Giroud is because Mbappe is occupying players. He's taking guys on. He's forcing them to go with them so that other players can be open and he can get them the ball and they can do something. Players can have easy opportunities. And yeah, when you have someone like that, why not play through them? Why not make him your option every time you take the ball up? You know, plus he's very fit, you know, um, like Messi played every game, did not start all the games, but um, that's more because his coach tried to rest him and they were pretty dominant early on. Um, but yeah, this guy's this guy's amazing. And I think he'll definitely dominate in years to come. Whether he'll surpass Messi is, is a different beast in, you know, in itself because um, Messi, has, like you said at the top of the pod, he's won everything he possibly could have, um, you know, club-wise, internationally. That's very hard to overcome. I, I, I don't doubt that Mbappe will, do, will win every accolade he can because I think he, he definitely has the potential to do that. And he's already um, well on his way. You know, he has a golden boy. He has, you know, a golden boot at the World Cup. He has a World Cup, you know, like he's going to get some Champions Leagues, I'm sure. League title, he's got one. Cups, you know, so he's going to get more of these. But the issue is, is he going to get eight Ballon d'Ors or more? Because Lionel, I know he doesn't have the eighth one yet, but he's probably going to get his eighth one. I mean, most it, it, when you win the World Cup, you typically get the, the Ballon d'Or. And it's not like he's been doing nothing in the league. You know, him and Neymar have been sensational for PSG this season. You know, he's been playing at GOAT level the whole year. So I see Messi winning his eighth. And if he does that, I don't do I see Mbappe getting to eight? He hasn't gone one yet, so he's already years into his career, five years into his career. Actually six. He started off seventeen and was running Brussels on thirteen. Already six years in. Do I see him maintaining this for the next fifteen years ish? Win eight, nine, I don't know, man. It's tough because, like I said, he's not going to be the only one competing for these awards. There's Haaland to deal with. There's that. There's already a new wonder kid on the block, Endrick, on his way to Real Madrid. There's so many players out there who have the potential to be special. So I'm not sure there's going to be. He's going to go down as one of the GOATs. But, yeah, he's definitely in, the, in that category. You know, when you say Mbappe's name after his career is over, you're going to be saying it next to Messi. Ronaldo, Pele, all the greats that have come before him. No doubt about that. He's already, I think he's already a legend, um, as is. And it's just about where he ends up on that list, you know, that top 10, top 15, whatever it is. Yeah, I know, big facts, man. And I know there was a man who probably broke all the TVs in his house today, Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo. I, I hope this gives him more fuel to motivate him to like, I don't know, maybe he's not going to play football for five more years and just try to get to the World Cup next time. And if he, even if he doesn't play every game, whatever it is, I don't know if he's going to like get some surgeries done to like make him young. I don't know what Ronaldo's going to do, but he has to try his best. But gentlemen, as we are winding down here, let's just talk about the World Cup in general and what Qatar has given us. 
as the 2022 World Cup. There was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of bashing. There was a lot of crying, you know, the, the human rights issues. We had the heat issues. We had the timing issues. Players being tired. We had the, the political issues, you know, which are even still ongoing a little, right? Like, we had people die to make this World Cup happen, literally. And so much money has been passed around to even get to this point. But even after all that, this surely has to go down as probably the best World Cup to have ever happened. You know, corruption bought that. You know, hush money bought this. And it kind of paid out, right? So, I mean, I don't know if this means, I don't know how much the World Cup is going to slap in North Korea, but I'm sure that World Cup will be mm, chef's kiss <laughs> in, like, in like five years. <laughs> so, North Korea, if you're hearing this, make your bid. Grease the right pockets. We'll, 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 see, we'll come see your country, man. We'll come see what you all can offer us because, yeah, man, this World Cup cooked us something special and I don't know what that means. Um, it's actually kind of crazy, the relationship between good World Cups and corruption or dictatorships. Because if you remember, like in the FIFA World Cup, uh, in the FIFA uh, documentary, the World Cup that Argentina won, ironically enough as well, there was so much corruption, <laughs> so much like politically, like people were getting killed, people like, and FIFA was like, we do not, mur uh, we, 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 you know, this is a sport, politics is not involved. So we're going to come, World Cup in Argentina, and there was uproar about it. But hey, they did it anyway. And it was a lit World Cup, apparently. So, you know, and here we are again, things like that happen. So I don't know if this just means that World Cups go better when there's a lot of other stuff happening, but um, we surely hope not. But yeah, gentlemen, what has been your greatest highlight of this World Cup? Like, what are your feelings about it? Um, what's, what's like the highest of the highest for you? Like, what is something that really impressed you about this World Cup? And what do you think is going to happen afterwards? Do you see a lot of deals for a lot of players like, uh, you know, Unahi from Morocco, he had a great game. That guy from Croatia, the masked man, he had a great tournament. Um, it was a great tournament. A lot of people showed up and showed their worth on the big stage. A lot of the big players who, who thought were going to show up didn't. What does that mean? Is Kevin De Bruyne going to go to Man City and start bombing? Or is he going to like pick himself up and play better? Who knows? But yeah, gents, 2022 Qatar World Cup. What are your what are your final wrapped thoughts of the whole tournament as a as a whole and like what's something that really impressed you? What's something that I don't know, just your feelings towards it. Let me let me start with you, Mangoro. Like, what do you take away from this World Cup? You know, we see off all the off the field incidents and those are we don't fully support those. Uh but we can talk about as the Forest Brothers podcast, we can talk about what we saw on the field and I would certainly agree with you. This was the greatest World Cup. We started watching World Cups in like the 2000s. But this one, we thought South Africa was good. This one was the best World Cup ever, hands down. And in terms of entertainment, today's game was just a fitting end to a great World Cup because we haven't forgotten what happened Netherlands, Argentina. That game... That drama, wow, what a great day. What a great World Cup. Great spectacle, great uh, great advert for the beautiful game of football, not soccer, football. Uh, I was really proud of it, like in terms of like what we got to see and all that stuff. And as you mentioned, the players, I'm one for the underdog. 
the player the player you've never heard of like now we know them Arizadin um Unahi uh from Angers they're 20th in Liga would be I'm pretty sure be getting a big move Nordin uh Amrapat uh, apparently is the new Kante covers uh 30% of the world and the others water that's the new guy uh plays for Fiorentina so I think he'll be getting a big move uh the coach of Morocco Walid Regrawi he was coaching weed at Casablanca winning the Champions League just in August just this past summer now he led the unfancied nation of Morocco an African country to the World Cup semi-final the greatness is there Lionel Messi he's won his World Cup so that has been great uh but I also do want to like shout out some players like that it just go under the radar just just a couple not not, not too many just a couple from today's game Emiliano Martinez, the penalty merchant. This is the man that was born from COVID. If COVID hadn't happened, I can safely say he's not on that field today. And so I don't know if something can agree with me. But for his meteoric rise to where he's at today, to get his break, I think at the age of like, what, 27? To get his break that old? And to actually now still be pushing... Uh, and to be where is that today? That's commendable. Another one, the guy that won the young player of the tournament today, Enzo Fernandez. What a player! Literally, this guy Benfica bought him from uh, River Plate just a year ago for ten million euros. This man probably be commanding hundred million in the next couple of years. Another player that probably be getting a big move, a big payout. Uh, another player that I want to shout out that just for those that don't know, coming into this World Cup, not a lot of people know this. Randall Kolo Moani came on today in the final, changed the complexion of the game in terms of what he was doing. This man was not even in consideration for the World Cup coming into the World Cup. It was only after all those injuries and everything that happened around Benzema and Kunku and all these attackers that he was actually given a chance. And for him to come in, an unfancied name that people didn't know, and shine this well, at this point where he was now the first name off the bench, shout out to him. He just plays at Antrek Frankfurt. Not a lot of people know him. So I really do want to commend them. And there's, there's plenty more. Like I can't like go through all, all the players. Like, But listener, I hope like you really enjoyed the World Cup. And some of these names, like as you heard them, from like the First Brothers podcast or by commentary at the World Cup. You remember these names because these will be the next generation of household names that we see in the beautiful game of football. Once again, I'll start by co-signing just about everything uh, my brother Mangoro said. Although I do have one correction to make. Uh, it was not Norden Amrabat, you know, who was covering, you know, 30% of the pitch. Norden Amrabat is his brother who got capped by the Netherlands. Um, and he's actually much older. Uh, I don't think he's in any condition to cover 30% of the pitch. He's like 35. This is Sophia Dabrabrat. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's in his prime. He's, he's, he's 26 years of age. So yeah, good for him. Great World Cup. I'm sure a big move is coming. Um, I even saw a story that he might be linked with Liverpool. You know, Liverpool need midfielders. So I, yeah, I think that'd be a, that, you know, that would be, That'd be a good move. That'd be that'd be a good move. 
Although I will say it will be uh, horrific on our eyes as we watch Liverpool because Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Amrabat at the midfield is absolute torture. My God, <laughs> it's going to be dreadful. But hey, you know, some of these teams like to terrorize us. So yeah. Some other takeaways from the World Cup. Yeah, uh, I, I, another thing I'll, I'm going to talk about, Emi Martinez, just briefly speak about him because he was an Arsenal player. Um, even though Arsenal fans, uh, myself included, aren't too happy with how he left, you know. He very much, you know, kicked up a fuss and said a lot of things that I'm sure he didn't mean. But, you know, he was coming from a place of pain since Leno had taken his job and he wasn't happy about that. But he, this is a really, he's another, like one of these Wenger success stories because he was signed at 17 from Independiente in uh, Argentina after his contract ran out. Uh, and interesting thing about him is that uh, he had a huge growth spurt. He's six foot five, so he's a very large man. But he's been six foot five since like 15. Like he's been six foot five for a long time. Imagine a 15 year old. Okay, and I think that's part of the reason why Arsenal just jumped to sign him because he was like, he just turned 17 and he was this huge, huge guy. Didn't really have all the skills, but like you could tell if you train this this kid up, he could be amazing. And you saw that this World Cup. Other takeaways from the World Cup, Argentina might have a future after Messi. Um, I think these young players have really stepped up and have done things, greater players um, have struggled to do. Um, we saw him going in 2014. Lautaro Martinez did his best impression of him this World Cup, but Messi survived him. We've seen Aguero struggle, Icardi struggle. We've seen so many top, top Argentina players struggle next to Messi. Um, so to see these young players do it, I think it bodes well for the country. Um, obviously, Morocco, great tournament by them. Um, I hope we see more of them. So in four years, they can repeat it or do better. Politically, I'll, I'll ask, I know it can be a touchy subject, but I would ask, and I know our listeners, I'm sure, have very many concerns about how the World Cup came about and this and that. What I will say to you, dear listener, is that don't forget that whatever criticism you're on a level at Qatar, remember that there are other actors at play here. You know, there's FIFA and one thing I realized watching is that there is significant American investment because, number one, you would see the, like, for example, if you uh, are American, you would have watched the Fox broadcast. They had a very elaborate set that clearly, you know, Fox put a lot of money in, um, in Doha. You know, lovely, lovely set. But also, there are so many Visit Qatar ads that would run during the World Cup. I saw them on YouTube. I saw them on random websites that, random websites that visit. I'd see them on TV when I'm watching, like Hulu. Um, so there are a lot of other actors here that have enabled Qatar to get away with what they've gotten away with. And I think it's about time, like, if we're going to hold Qatar accountable, we should also hold these other actors accountable because... If we don't, then they will just enable some other country to do the same because, you know, Qatar got what they wanted. You know, what if people don't visit Qatar, stop investing, they already got what they wanted. You know, they got the recognition, the acknowledgement from the World Cup, the investments that are in. So I think they're fine no matter what comes next. I think the issue here is that 
are we going to, like you know, Mutz alluded to, are we going to allow North Korea to do this? Are we going to allow Syria to do that? Are we going to allow, like, anybody else with a checkered history, uh, Iran, to do this? You know, anyone else that is mistreating this, you know, like this, the, 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 the populations, uh, minority groups, um, that kind of thing. Are we going to allow them to get over the same thing? For example, 2030, it's rumored that Saudi Arabia are considering to bid, um, f- like, for 2030. That is interesting because they're also considering to have Messi be the poster boy for that. That is just interesting because we've seen the checkered past the United States has had with Saudi Arabia in the past. Um, you had the journalist, American journalist that was killed there and not much investigation happened. Uh, you had some of the people who were involved in 9-11 and not much has happened there. So, it, you know, there's questions here. You know, who, how, how, how far are we willing to let all these things go? And I think those are kind of my main takeaways. You know, just great tournament, but... Uh, a lot of stuff is bubbling, and uh, I, I I am keen to see what what happens. And I'm I'm also a little concerned, to be honest. I I I I, I shudder to think of a, a World Cup in Saudi Arabia or North Korea if if things in those countries stay as they have been. Yeah, it'll really be interesting to see. Um, it's just so funny that we keep FIFA keep coming out this thing about how soccer, the, the beautiful game, has nothing to do with politics, but then. You see all the political figures shaking the players' hands at the end, giving them medals. So it's like, what are you saying? Because clearly there is politics involved here. So it's either is or it isn't, right? Yeah, and you saw like like Macron, the pitch with Mbappe is no mistake. Like he knows what that means. Um, and for our dear listeners who may not know this, Macron has been facing huge criticism in France. In fact, uh couple weeks ago, like in the last month, he's been slapped twice by random citizens as he's going out to meet people in the streets. He's been slapped. Like, do you know how mad you have to be at your country's leader to slap them in public in front of the security team? Like, so he he, probably, he needed that. You know, <laughs> whatever cold shoulder Mbappe was giving him, he needed that like a lot more than uh, we think. So, yeah, there's a lot of sports watching here and... Uh, we always have to be awake to that, I think. No, yeah, 100%, 100%. But brothers, it's been a good run. I certainly loved covering the World Cup with the with the brothers here. I um, Bigger things to come for sure. But yeah, what a tournament. It's been a month full of football. Now, hopefully, wives, girlfriends, mothers out there, you can breathe. You know, you can breathe. It's okay now. The husbands are back. The boyfriends are back. The sons are back. I know there are a lot of women as well who invest in this World Cup. So let me also say to some boyfriends out there, your girlfriend is coming back, your wife is coming back, <laughs> your daughter is coming back. <laughs> you know, holiday, thank goodness the World Cup is over before the Christmas holidays because now people can be a family again. You know, now you can, like, guys, the only days when I wouldn't leave the house because they're back-to-back games going into extra time i couldn't even do chores it's like either you're waking up hella hella early to go do groceries or you're just ordering in all week because there was no other time to do anything else so hopefully now we can find better things to do but the premier league is coming back in a week so we have a week off to relax and then we're back at it again but listener it's time for us to say goodbye thank you so much for being with us we certainly hope that you loved our coverage uh we've loved spending this time with you um Big uh, shout out to Nana for also being part of the journey. You'll be hearing him here and there as well. Don't worry, we do not fire him. 
he uh he, he'll be back do not worry the boy will be back <laughs> so um yeah you know thank you so much listener and i'll let my brothers here say goodbye start on the boy mangoro and then over to sanyi and then we'll be out of here oh certainly uh, i'd like to say uh thank you to my fellow hosts here and our other brother there nana as well for coming and uh, bra- uh gracing us with his presence uh during this world cup uh it was a nice ride uh it had its rocky moments but we all enjoyed it at the end of the day it's football it's a game of opinion so you know, that's the other, other big thing at the end of the day it's not nothing personal it's uh it's football it's a game of opinion so not everyone's opinion will always be correct so they just keep that in mind out there listeners uh thank you listeners for being with us on this very beautiful journey and we're always here we're always here to share the knowledge give our opinions and hopefully you continue to tune in uh we have a very exciting things coming up in 2023 in the pipeline so the first brothers podcast will be doing multiple things so listener stay abreast and it wouldn't be a great podcast without me giving one more shout out to someone that uh not a lot of people knew coming to the world cup Lionel sebastian scaloni very controversial first actual uh, job that he was given this argentina job he was coaching down the 20s before and in very controversial fashion and for him to in his first managerial job to actually take it at the age of 44 years old and win a world cup at, at first try that is truly commendable and hopefully he gets his flowers for this great achievement but yeah anyways listener hopefully you enjoy the week and the Christmas period, take time to uh, refresh as we're going to do as well with family members, friends, uh, partners, uh, pets, or and, and the likes and all the material things that people own. So enjoy the, uh, enjoy the festive period. Stay safe. Uh, stay at home as some brothers seem to be doing. And yeah, listener, enjoy. Just enjoy, man, as I, as I always say. Thank you. Dear listener, thank you for listening to us today and rocking with the Forest Brothers podcast. Great to have been here with my two brothers, Mari, Mangoro, as always. Fantastic doing this part with you guys. Wish Nana was here because I uh, would have been able to congratulate him in person. Uh, his pick won, Argentina won. His goat is still the goat. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to uh, rub Ronaldo in his face and other United uh, fans' faces for life because I would have. If Ronaldo won this one, I, I would have been a pain, man. He might have, you know, he might have wanted to stop being friends with me after, <laughs> after a couple of years, but it was going to be horrible. But yeah, uh, shout out to him. And uh, yeah, shout out to Lionel Messi. You know, he's, there's nothing we can say now. There's, there's nothing anyone can say. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for him that this is how he can close off his international career. And also one, one final thing uh, to all our American listeners. Four billion people watched the same game today. Four billion people. I'll see the four billion. That's half the world watched one game today. I'm sorry, friends, but it's it's not soccer. It's football. Change your thing. <laughs> Whatever your thing is, change that right now. Change it right now. Four billion uh, beats three hundred million any day. I, I I mean, my math was okay. You know, I think Mongoro was was better at math than I was. So maybe he can he can he, he can tell me that you know is, is four billion bigger than two hundred million? I, I think it is. So, yeah, dear listener, it's football, and we love it. It's the world's game, and uh, it gave us a very special game today, and I'm very happy we all got to see it. Very happy to share our reactions with with you guys, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you all on the next one.
Yeah, we'll catch you in the next one. Indeed, listen, I'm sure it'll be soccer in 2026. I'm sure they'll make a point of it. Every pundit has to say soccer, not football. (laughs) I will be struggling. I will be struggling, but, you know, we'll be here to see it. We'll be here to see it. (laughs) But with that, listener, thank you so much for rocking with us. We'll catch you in the next one. Make sure you share the episode with your friends, your family, your pets, your neighbor, Santa Claus, everybody. Share the episode with the for you know just just show the forest some love you know it is we 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 we, we always love more ears and uh, with that thank you so much listener and we'll catch you on the next one peace out. <laughs>